Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. And so this morning, I want to point our attention to a part of that resurrection. But it is in what I want to leave you with, I want you to focus on beyond this day that stands out. I do encourage you all, if you haven't already, to read the resurrection accounts from each gospel writer. Read it. Sit down and, 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 and you know what? Let's not make this what I call flannel board Bible. What do I mean by that? You know, in Sunday school, when you, you, when you were being taught, untaught old school, now I'm, old, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm showing my age, because now y'all show it, not even on slides, now y'all show it on PowerPoint presentations, or whatever form of technology that we have for our kids in the back. But they used to do what we call flannel board. You know, they take the characters, and they were Velcroed on the back, and they would stick them on the board. That's flannel board. And the ones laughing experienced it. And so sometimes what we do is that we make what we read in scripture flannel board. It was good for Sunday school, but it was just a story. You know, tricks are for kids. That kind. But if we take this seriously the way God through the gospel writers intended, I guarantee you it'll blow your mind and it'll change your life. And so when I look at it here, here, turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Read all four accounts because they all give it. And it will help and it will change you. If you stand with me, I'm going to read from the English Standard Version, chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. We're going to focus on one aspect of it, but the whole context, 1 through 12. And it reads as such, but on the first day of the week, at early dawn, They went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why? Do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now, it was Mary Magdalene and um, Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. 
But these words seemed to them like an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to receive Lord, what you have given us to read on the account, this account of your resurrection. Lord, may it give us a perspective that you want and may it change our lives in the way you desire by the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Christ's name, amen. amen. <clears throat> I want to put here for a title, and he has it up. I don't know if he did or not. Seeking Life in Death. Seeking Life in Death, and why? I love that question. It is, it is not only a question for them, which I know the context of that was saying to them, why are you looking for a dead Jesus when you should be celebrating a, a live one? And it's a question for us today. Two things, two questions I want us to be able to answer. Number one, why are you seeking the living among the dead? Why are you seeking life in death? And then number two, why are you seeking a dead Jesus when you should be celebrating a living one? As we set the story up, one of the reasons why they did for the women understanding, they watched, they were standing by the cross there. They watched him die. The women, they said, the women mourned for him. His mother by there and, 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 and Mary had company and the other women that were mourning with her as she mourned her son being unjustly crucified. And any parent that has lost a child knows the excruciating pain of that. Any parent that has had a child taken from them abruptly and unjustly knows the pain of that. And so Mary standing there, they knew what they saw. When they buried him, they knew where they had laid him. It is believed that they even followed. And as they all went back home, deeply grieving and sorrowful, as any of us, humanly speaking, would be. Once again, let's not make them cartoon characters, y'all. These are real people who had experienced a real death of a real loved one with real injustice in it. They went home. We've seen the stories on the news of parents that are mourning and grieving children that were taken from them. And we've all watched the stories and the tears running down their eyes as they deal with the fact that for them, those loved ones are never returning. And so we see here as they mourn, if you leave, the, if, look at the other chapters. And actually, as you go, just go back one verse in chapter 23. 
actually go back two verses in chapter 23 to verse 55. It says, the women who had come with him from Galilee, and the him was Jesus, followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. Because that was cultural for them of how. They didn't embalm. They, they, they had spices and they would prepare it for the body. And it says, on the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. They decided they would, they, would, they would do this according to the commandment, even though they wanted to go and have spices on the body. Then on the Sabbath, they knew that was against the law. And so they rested. Wow. And so they went back. And I can imagine they prepared the spices, but in their mind, they were just like, we can't wait until the day after the Sabbath. So we could go. And so they get up early. And you look at the accounts that are there. But here's what I like. Verse 24, in almost all the gospel, starts off with a contrasting word, but. And I love that because sometimes we forget that little word. When it comes to God, that word, that little word, but, man, usually has on the end of it something transformingly different. It either went from good to extremely bad, or it went from bad to extremely good. You look at it many times in Scripture when you see that comparison. And so that word, I've been told, is one of the strongest comparison words in the Greek language. And so that but... So they rested as they prepared spices, but on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb taking spices. Which spices? The ones in chapter 23 that they prepared. And if you look at the other accounts, as they went along, they were still so grieving and they were still so sorrowful that they didn't think through how they were going to pull this off. One of the gospel writers said, as the women were walking, they were like, oh, wait, who's going to roll away the tombstone? Like, like, we've got nobody to do that. Really saying, we can't. Who are we going to? Well, we're not going to think about that. Let's just go ahead and go. We'll figure that out. Look, some of y'all are like that. We'll figure that out when we get there. Some of y'all like that. And y'all stand there and be like, I should have figured this out before we got here. But they go down and they get up there, and as they do, they get the first shock of their life. And that first shock is, whoa, someone beat us to the punch. The stone is rolled. But what they didn't happen and what had already occurred, as we know, is that an earthquake happened, a really local one, because no one else felt it. It was a real local earthquake. And the reason the earthquake is because the angel came down, and I love this, and just, you know, rolled the stone away easily. What would have taken several men, probably the angel just kind of rolled it away. And then I love it. I love the picture when they explain it in the other gospel, mic drop time, rolled the stone away and sat on it. You know what that, you know what that says to me? Yeah, I just did that. And wasn't hard. Rolled it away, sat on it, so much so 
that the Roman guards, I, I, I always love that because that is so natural. I know this story is true because that's exactly what would have happened. What happened? The Roman soldiers saw him come down, roll it away because they were on guard and their lives were at stake. So no one was falling asleep on the job except when the angel came. Because it said, when they saw it, they were fearful and were like dead men. You know what that means, right? They passed out. Not just, I mean, they were so afraid, they passed out. That's how you're like a dead man when you're not. You're unconscious. And so, enough time was given before the women got there. And some people say, well... It's debatable because it says it was dark, but it says it was light. Number one, where they came from, Bethany, was a two-mile walk. When was the last time y'all walked two miles? Two-mile walk. They were walking over, which is no problem. They were walking up. They had no problem with that. With spices, lots of them. And they were going to get there. So when they left, yes, it was dark. You ever walk out about, mm, depending on the time of year, whenever sunrise is, you walk out and it's dark. You know when you got to go to work and you're moaning that it's still dark? And they get up there, and as they approach, yes, the day is dawning. It says at the early dawn, but it was dark. Come on, y'all, stop acting like we don't know how that is. We know how it is. You leave, as you would say, too early in the morning. I know some of y'all know because them cheap flights are at 5 o'clock in the morning. I've been on those before. Those 5.30 flights, and on my way to the airport, there's no sunlight. And by the time that plane is taking off, it's barely sunlight. Uh, yeah, it's exactly the same thing. And so they get there again, and they're expecting one thing. Here's what happened. Grief, sorrow, and staying within what I believe is the only option that there could ever be keeps me from recognizing, remembering, and seeing the things that God say. Jesus had said over and over that he would, that he had to die and that he would be resurrected. And he said it in different ways and they heard it, but they didn't hear it. And you surely don't hear the truth when grief sets in. Oh, we all know what God says about, about, um, about we will resurrect one day as a believer. We know, and yet, when the person is there and we are grieving them, many times we forget. As a matter of fact, Paul had the right to believers and tell them, look, we don't grieve as those without hope. Why does he have to say that? Because in grief and sorrow and everyday life, we go back to what we know, not what God says. That's what these women did. And that's the danger that will lead you to begin to seek life around death. It's because you're only going with what you know. Hey, listen, we all know death. We all know sin. We all know the effects of this world. We get up, here we go again. I got to deal with this evil world. And sometimes we get so discouraged because we go, ain't nothing going to change, Lord, this world. And in our grief and our sorrow, we forget what Jesus said. That's what these women did, and they represent all of us. I don't throw them under the bus because here's my thing. They were there. They took the chance. 
Sorry, brothers, but we were hiding in fear. I give cred to John, who was at the cross enough that Jesus could say to him and Mary, behold your son, behold your mother. But grief, sorrow, and death, I wrote this down, all common in this life had taken its toll on all the women and everyone accordingly. Man, because that's what happens. What do you do that's just normal for us as humans when you have what Jesus said out there and you seem just to forget it? When it's out there and you talk about life and I'm wanting to live my best life now, please don't, by the way. One writer said, if your best life is now, you're going to hell. I was just like, whoa, when I thought about that, I said, because if this is the best that there is, and, there's, and, and what's coming after isn't, we're not talking about being eternally with God. And so as they come, they're surprised. And here's what I love. When they, verse 3, because this is, again, how we get into this mode of seeking life and death. When they get to the tomb, but verse 3, um, but when they, I'm sorry, verse 2, and when they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, I'm sorry, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus and the first part of verse 4 says, while they were perplexed about this, still again, when you refuse to remember and hear what the Lord has said, they were perplexed. Wait, I, it, that should have been the lead in. But I'm not getting mad with them because we do that. Sometimes God will throw us a softball of belief and we still act like we don't know what's going on. Sometimes he'll set things up, and, and, and you know you had nothing to do with what just happened. You know you didn't set anything up. You know that blessing that you just received had nothing to do with anything about you. God just threw you a softball of belief to say, that was me. And you stand there, man, what's happening? Could this be God? You know it's God. But then we back away and we don't want to. We don't want to hear it or we don't want to believe it. We don't want to buy it. I don't know why. But again, grief and sorrow does that. Life does that to us. Or we let it do it to us. They were perplexed. God gives them another Amazement, behold, and we know that word says, look with amazement. That's what Luke wants you to understand. When he says, behold, it's like voila, it's like, look, y'all. He says, and behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. I love that because when we say that today, it was like, what does that mean? They had a lot of bling on? No, it's the brightness of of, of them and their garments just radiated from them. And of course, they knew exactly who that was because their response tell you they bowed in fear. They knew that who they were standing in front of was not human, 
even though it took on a human form. And so they bowed in fear. And now it comes up to, here's my deal. You and I will live life. We will live our lives looking for life in death when we are not looking for where Jesus truly is. You won't. And so the angels come and they said to them, because it was said that, that, that the angels spoke to them as if they were people seeking and searching for something. So they came and stood there. That's like you standing there and you see some people looking around and you go, what you looking for? What you looking for? Because you realize that they're seeking and so the angels knew that they were seeking and, and knew who they were seeking, not just what. And so the angels start to reveal to them, starts to help them for their eyes to actually be open. The angel says, why, in verse 5, do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. You're looking for Jesus here, but he's not here. Now, we know in the context that is specifically about the resurrection because the first, the next words are, he is risen. But, but I got to stop there for a second and ask you, where are you looking for Jesus? Because in that, you are looking for him as, I guess, your teacher and your deliverer or your good prophet. I've spoken with people that don't believe in Christ and they say, yeah, but he's a good teacher. I was like, man, that doesn't make sense because why would you listen to someone as a teacher that you don't believe is who he says he is? Do you regularly get taught by liars? And my question for you, do you regularly allow people who will manipulate and deceive you to teach you? Well, I don't believe in that. I talked to these one guys. I did these, these guys one time. We were out doing evangelism, and, and, and we spoke. Who was Jesus? Yeah, he's a good prophet. He's a good teacher. And I was like, man, that's amazing. Really? Y'all believe that? Yes. Wonderful rabbi. I said, oh, oh okay, okay. Can you answer me this question? This good teacher, and I said, now, would a good teacher lie? Nah, man. Okay, that's interesting. Wow. A good teacher won't lie, and you believe he's a good teacher. I said, okay, would a good teacher lead you astray? Nah, man. Okay, good. Jesus says this, and I showed him. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. Now, I mean, that's a declarative statement. No one comes to the Father but by or through me. I said, what do you do with that? I'm serious. We had about a 30-second pause. He just stared at me. I don't know. I think you need to find out, bro. Because here's the deal. If you see Jesus as any form of good, but you are looking for him where there's death instead of life, you're not looking for Jesus. 
You're looking for convenience. You're looking for comfort. You're looking for somebody to help with your agenda, but you're not looking for Jesus. Because they came where Jesus was not expecting him to be there, and the angels had to correct them saying, you're looking in the wrong place. Because living things, I don't go looking for the picnic and the family reunion at Crown Hill. I'll put it more specifically, because we've taken our kids and our family, Duplin Memorial Gardens. I know y'all don't know what that is. It is the cemetery in which in in this rural area of North Carolina where my mother, where my sister, where my great aunts and uncles, where my aunts and uncles, you walk through there and, and, and actually one of my kids go, whoa, there's a lot of Costins here. Yeah. Costin, 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 Costin. And then Keenan, 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 which is my mother's side. And you see it all in this one place because it's between the town that my mother grew up in and my father grew up in, Duplin Memorial Gardens. I don't go there for picnics expecting them, are y'all going to be at the picnic? I don't go there looking for life. And Jesus says, I mean, Jesus is using the angels to say to them, you are looking for life among dead things. Well, what are some of the dead things? I wrote them down. I had to think about it. What are some of the dead things? Now, again, these things are not bad in your life. I'm going to share some that are bad, but they're not life. There are things for you to enjoy in life. There are things for you to accomplish in life, but they're not life. Like, for instance, some of us, people today are really looking for life and, and looking for Jesus. Hmm. Dead things. Education. See, we're saying, is it a bad thing? No. Should you get it? You better. But if it's life to you, that's dead. Relationships. Man, that man, that woman. Yes, they may reward you in life. They may be a good life journey partner, but they're not life. Your sport your career, the things you possess, what you're looking to accomplish, those are great things, and you should go after them with the right perspective. There was a series of shirts that used to be out. Y'all have heard me say this before. Years ago, I used to love it, but I didn't, I didn't really wear any of them because none of those sports were my game because I was average. But it, it read like this. It said, Basketball is my game, but Jesus is my life. That's what it would say. Or football is my game, but Jesus is my life. How do I know that it's not life? Because when things go really bad or in the important areas of life, you hear everyone say, even the sports announcers, even those million-dollar athletes, this is only a game. This ain't life. I've had some that'll say that, that they will ask a man, this is difficult. How do you prepare for this difficult time? One athlete said, man, this ain't difficult. This is a game. 
that I get paid well for. He said, difficult, I remember, he said, difficult is that single mom trying to raise her kids on this minimum wage salary. He said, that's difficult. He said, this, I'm getting paid well for. This is a game. And even though I have to mentally prepare, and even though I have to make sure that I do things right, he was like, this ain't difficult. In essence, you know what he was saying? This isn't life. It may encourage it. Where are you? Some of you, again, you are looking for Jesus-type satisfaction in dead things. They came preparing to minister to Jesus. They did. And what they found out is he had secured salvation for them. They came to minister and realized that Jesus had already come to save. And you and I, oh, wow, we do. We think we are doing God this royal favor by serving him. And God is saying, man, please, I'm, I'm bringing you in so I can rescue you. So I can lead you. So I can show you that all those things that you have, they're good. Please hear me. I am not bashing them. I am not saying education is bad. I am not saying relationships are bad or having things, but not saying that at all. But if they are out of perspective, you could be looking for life in death. But you know what the cure is? This is what I like. You know what the cure is? What cured them from looking for life among death? It was one word, and the angel said it, remember. See, because what happens? You and I forget. You and I let it pass by. Most people in this room have enough word to live for Jesus. Oh, I don't mean that you don't need any more word. Yes, you do. But we have enough word to begin and to have a vibrant relationship with Jesus. Well, why don't we? Because we forget. Why do we forget? Because life, grief, sorrow, all those things that happen in everyday life kind of blind us and cause us not to see. When I think of Mary of Magdala, we think that's her last name. It's not. Mary Magdalene. She is Mary the Magdalene. Why? Because she was from Magdala. So Mary, when she comes back, because she leaves the group, runs and goes to Peter and John, who some believe are somewhere other than the rest of the disciples are, which is why they could get there so fast. And so she comes back, and on her way back, John's gospel says she comes back in, and she loved, this is the one who washed Jesus' feet with her hair. She is the one that had been forgiven much. And so Jesus' death hit her hard. And so she came back to the tomb sobbing and crying and looking in and sobbing. You know how we are at times. We are so grief-filled and are so devastated by what has happened with life. We crying and, and we looking at what happened and you still crying and you come back and you don't know what you're going to do. And so she sees the angel, which is hilarious. The, look, the angels didn't become undazzling when Mary was there. She didn't care. Oh, you bright as the sun. Okay. You don't see her bowing down. They say to her, what? 
look, where's, just tell me. They've taken him, and I don't know. And so then she turns around, because she must have turned back to the tomb, and it says, and, and, and Jesus is standing there, but she does not recognize him as Jesus. Why? Well, number one, your eyes are probably so clouded with tears because you've been sobbing. But number two, you didn't even think for a moment that there could be a resurrected Jesus, even though he said it and you heard it several times. And it says that, John says that, 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 that she supposed that it was the gardener taking care of the tomb area. And she turns and he says, woman, whom do you seek? What are you looking for? Now, question, you think Jesus didn't know who she was looking for? Jesus was trying to wake her up. He was waking her up out of her stupor. Why? What are you looking for? Think. I'm going to ask you all, what are you looking for? Think. Why are you dissatisfied? Because who you are looking for is not the Jesus who is living. You're looking for the Jesus who is dead, who you got to pull out and put up, who you got to tell what to do who you got to command where to walk, who you got to tell him how to feel about you. That's the Jesus you want. And God says, that's not me. That's that dead one you think that you need to come to do something for when actually I have already done it for you. So he comes and John's gospel says that, that, that she's still crying. Look, just tell me where he is. She's standing there. She's heard his voice before. But for some reason, him saying what he said didn't hit. And so she's like, look, tell me where you've taken him. Because she thought, okay, you must have done something with the body. And then she gets crazy. Look, just tell me and I'll go get him. You are not going to lift however heavy Jesus was by yourself, dead weight. You know you weren't going to. But look, she loved herself some Jesus. I'm going to go get my Jesus and carry him where I need him to be. And I want to think, man, I want to think that Jesus, when he said, Mary, boy, there's a part of me scripture. It doesn't say it. It's just like, that's crap. Mary. <laughs> but it was tender. Mary. Like, it's like snap out of Mary. And when he said, Mary, she woke up. And then she was just like, I don't need to carry you anywhere. I don't need to come rescue Jesus. Look, let me help you all out. When you are talking to people in the world about Jesus and, 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 and they are berating him and bad-mouthing him and you go, I got to rescue Jesus. No, you don't. Jesus don't need you rescuing him. He needs, look, you need him to rescue you because you're about to say something you shouldn't. I remember the first time I got into this debate. I was coming out the subway in New York, and, 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 and these two people stopped me. Particular mm, cultic religion stopped me. I'm not going to name them. And we got into this, and, and, and I was defending the faith. And, man, I got mad. And I started, I was just like, man, you, are you dumb? Are you crazy? And I just started going on. And then afterwards, it was like, the Lord was like, dude, I, I, I don't need you to defend me. What are you doing? Well, I was dishonoring God in that. I was like, I stopped. And I just said to the man, I got to go. I said, I'm sorry, just, 
going to end this discussion. And I walked away. I was so defeated. I said, God, I'm so sorry. That was embarrassing. I'm yelling and screaming at him. I'm trying to defend the faith as if Jesus needed rescuing. No, he rescued me because I was out there embarrassing him. And so he goes to me, Mary. And she stops and she turns. And I mean, she realizes now who she's been talking to. And instead of, I'm sorry, I'm, no, she, I, I love her. She just grabs and reaches and is so excited because she realized, wait, I don't need to no, know I'm alive. And then for her to be able to go and tell was from this position of passionate eyewitness who loved her Lord. You couldn't tell her nothing. You couldn't stop her from doing anything. She found life because she found where Jesus really is, not where she thought he would be. And I'm going to say to you and I today, when you, until you realize that Jesus is life, that where he is is not in those things, although you use those things and they benefit you in this life, and they may even help you to represent and witness for Jesus, but they are not life. And compared to Jesus, dare death. And here's why I know that. Because in heaven, <laughs> you're not going to be, oh, yeah, man, that dude played NFL football. Wow. And that dude was NBA star. And that woman right there, man, she was WNBA. And that woman, she was actress. What? No. The only thing that will be talked about in eternity is if you know and have embraced Jesus Christ. All those other things die when you die. How many celebrities do you hear and their publicist said this morning that they died. That's this, this, and that. Yes, it is true, they did. And I read those stories, and I've gone, and, 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 and you go out to where many of the celebrities are in Forest Lawn, out in California, many of them. And you read, and you can read all the famous people that are there, and every last one of them, like you and me, will come to an end. And all of our accolades and everything else go with it. Why? Because compared to Christ, all of those things, like our flesh, are dead. They're only meant for use here. That's all they're meant for. They're only meant for use in this game. Tell me the last time you've taken Monopoly money and tried to go buy dinner. I mean, some may have tried it, I'm sure. Monopoly money only works in the Monopoly game. And when you quit that game, you can't take that stuff anywhere else. What he's telling us today is look for life. And how? Remember. Here's what I wrote. Remember Jesus' word. Remember God's plan, because this was God's plan all along. And remember God's promise. What's going to jar you out of looking for life in dead things? You know what it's going to be? Remember God's word. Remember. What did Jesus say? What did he say? You want the right perspective? What did Jesus say? You want the right purpose? Because we live in a way, we live in a world right now. Live your purpose. I would say, yeah, I do. But if you think your purpose is a job, if you think your purpose is a sport, 
Oh, that's part of a purpose, how you live out your purpose. How God uses you in this world is in that capacity, in that context. But your purpose is to live, worship, and honor God in all that you are, in all that you do. If anything else is your purpose, that first commandment, boy, is you shall have no other God before me. It becomes our God. And you are living in death. But here's what I love. If Jesus and life in him is first, everything else is a wonderful accessory. Can you accessorize an ugly outfit? I mean, you might, but it's still an ugly outfit. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm looking at the clock. I'm not telling any of y'all your outfits are ugly. And folks that talk about the accessories, they will. I mean, and we do. Girl, that necklace is nice. And that ring is sweet. That tie is. And them shoes are. But, but, but no one is talking about your outfit. Because it might be ugly as sin. But you don't have to accessorize a beautiful outfit. You can wear it just as it is. Wow. How wonderful to have a life in Christ that is adorned by the things. Man, I like the way, boy, you've educated yourself. But, but you as a person, man, you are so peaceful. You are so wonderful. You're in the right spot with that education. You're in the right spot with that job. I love you here at this job because you are. I love the fact that you are director. I love the fact that you are teacher. I love, why? Because you are. What they're saying is that, these things are adorning you because your life is so good. And I don't mean good as in going your way. Good is how you live it. And so as he ended, here is my statement for you. If you are searching for life in the things that will end when you die on this planet, you're not looking for Jesus. You're not, because he's not there. He is risen, and he gives life. And this morning, let me ask you, where are you seeking life? Where? Or is life so bad that you're seeking it in things that will cover up for life? So it could be drugs. My life is so bad, I don't even want to think about it, so I drug it out. I drink it out. I party it out. Why? Because my life, I don't want to think about my life. And God says, no, I want you to think about life every day. But because I want you to think about it with me. And so when you do, like Mary, like the women as they ran from you, you will leave both fearful of God and excited about God. Tripping all over yourself to live for him and to tell everybody who Jesus is. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.